Hello and welcome back. West Bank Bible Church podcast. Today we'll be looking and starting at chapter 11 of the Revelation Unveiled, which is on page 13. But before we begin, and before we begin with 1 John 1 9, I've got to mention that uh, Mr. Grace and Poise and Balance took a spell a week ago and uh, broke his back again. And to everyone's shock, including mine and his, he is still back here to do the next lesson. Uh, Took a spill off an ottoman and two more of the, what do they call them? Two more of the vertebrae. Yeah. Got cracks in them. But there's not a whole lot they can do for a young fella that turned 86 on Monday and got to spend the day in the hospital on that day. Uh, on my birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. 86 years old. But here he is, doing it again. But before we begin, like we do every single week, we've got to remember 1 John 1, nine, as may or may not be necessary. Father, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and to study your word. We're grateful that uh, we have a promise in this book that uh, if you study the book or if you teach the book, you're going to be blessed. And so we claim that promise today. We're going to do our very best. And uh, David's going to make sure we can be taught because he's going to give opportunity to use First John 1 9 as may or may not be necessary. All right, David. All right, like I said, we're on page 13 of the Revelation Unveiled in the study books. Toward the bottom half of the page, so Pastor Merritt, take it away. Okay, afterward now, I, and that would be John, of course, as you know. John is going to uh, be handed a 10-foot measuring rod and was told to measure the temple and the brazen altar and to count and evaluate the worshipers there. So he's uh, got some work to do and uh, he is also to count but he's also to evaluate the worshipers who are there. John was also commanded to exclude the outer court. This we're told because the outer court had been given to the Gentiles. The Gentiles, he was told, would control the holy city during most of the tribulation. The angel then told me, and of course that would be John, about two witnesses. These are quite famous witnesses. There will be two witnesses who will live and prophesy during the first three and one half years of the tribulation. 
He uh, further noted, they will be dressed in sackcloth like characters from an Old Testament period piece. And I said they were, they were famous because they're mentioned in the uh, Old Testament. In the last uh, couple of verses of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi or Malachi, uh, we find uh, one of them specifically mentioned by name. And uh, that would be, as noted, Malachi or Malachi. And uh, one of the witnesses is going to be Elijah. And that's why the Jews uh, pride themselves in recognizing that Elijah will be reincarnated as one of the witnesses. And we're going to see the second witness is going to be Moses. That's a conclusion. Moses is a conclusion that we draw. But I'm very sure that's who we're talking about. Moses and Elijah. And they're dressed like they were dressed when they were operating in Old Testament times. They spend their time uh, doing the things that they did. And we'll see that here in a minute. Uh, in other words, they will be doing miracles and actually act as troublemakers in this particular scenario revealed to John. And uh, they're going to be troublemakers mainly not to the Christians but to those who are ruling and dominating during the first part of this particular period. So I was commanded, says John, to exclude the outer court. This because the outer court had been given again to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were told would control the holy city during most of the tribulation. The angel then told me about the two witnesses. Two witnesses will live and prophesy during the first three and one half years of the tribulation. He further noted they will be dressed in sackcloth, like characters from an Old Testament period piece, as we saw, as we noted earlier. They will be dressed in sackcloth and uh, with these two I saw two lampstands and two olive trees. The two witnesses explain the angels excuse me the angels plural are Moses and Elijah. God's messengers reincarnated for special service. Thus their designation as two lampstands who stand before the Lord of the earth as a light to the world. They are supported by 
this power of God, the Holy Spirit, that we have mentioned earlier. So, so the power of God supports these two. All right, the two, and I'm going to repeat, are Moses is one and Elijah is the other. God's messenger reincarnated for special service. Thus their designation as two lampstands supported by the power of God, the God of the earth, as a light to the world. They are two olive trees as in, in symbolism. They will shine like a light in the midst of darkness during the first 1,260 days of the tribulation. If anyone tries to harm these two, God will cause fire to come down out of their mouths. The fire, he said, would devour their enemies. There will be many who want them dead. This is especially true of the Antichrist who is bothered by them during the entire period of, well not the entire period most of the period of the revelation so uh, there will be many who will want them dead in a doornail if you will uh, and the false prophet and the, who is the leader of a large and very popular church is headquartered in Rome and it is his desire that they be removed. The two will have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain. They will turn the earth's water into blood and strike the earth with every kind of plague. This, he said, they would often do. Now that's got curtailed commerce and many other things. And toward the end of the first 42 months of the tribulation, Satan is permitted to devise a plan which he communicates to the Antichrist under the permissive will of God. Moses and Elijah are overpowered, though, and executed. In Revelation 11a, their bodies will lie in state in the center of Jerusalem. And that's because they will be executed. And who's going to execute them? The forces of the two false witnesses. And as they lie in state, the people like to march around them. And uh, this is the same city, Jerusalem, where they will lay. And it's Jerusalem. The same one in which our Lord was executed after he was rejected and crucified. 
the three and a half days, for three and a half days, men from all over the world will travel to Jerusalem to gaze on the body of Moses and Elijah. The two men were brought, excuse me, were thought to be blamed for much of the world's troubles during the first 42 months of the the tribulation. Now, even though many have begged the mayors of Rome, rulers of Rome, and Jerusalem to bury them, their requests have been ignored. The global citizens of Rome, excuse me, of of the planet even, in fact rejoice in their deaths and openly celebrate by sending each other gifts. People are overjoyed, thinking all will now be okay. The two prophets who had resisted the program of the Antichrist were now a thing of the past and like a bad dream, these two troublemakers were gone. World peace and universal prosperity explained the citizens of Jerusalem can now become a reality. People openly celebrate by dancing around the B-E-I-R where the bodies lay. After three and one half days of celebration, God resuscitates both Moses and Elijah. Slowly they rise to their feet. The eyes of the world stare at their television sets in abject shock, surprise, and horror. Seeing the two formerly dead men stand, the people who had come to celebrate are awestruck. The celebration ceases as people panic and try to leave the area. No one knows what to expect next. Then from heaven comes a loud voice which could be heard all over the city of Jerusalem. It boomed, come up here. And both Elijah and Moses slowly, slowly ascended toward heaven, moving towards, well, moving through the cloud until they disappear from view. Suddenly the earth begins to shake. A severe overtakes Jerusalem and a tenth part of the city is destroyed. There is trouble everywhere. 7,000 people are killed in that section of the city where the bodies of the two witnesses had once lain. Many who survived were terrified and gave glory to God. Others blew it off as uh, they left the city telling one another not to worry. Everything's going to be okay. But many who had survived and gave glory to God uh, 
are going to feel the power of God. The second woe had now passed, and we had mentioned this first woe earlier, but the third woe was just around the corner. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a crescendo of voices coming from heaven. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Father and His Anointed One, the Lord Jesus Christ, and now the Messiah King will reign forever and ever. The church-age saints in heaven who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, as the one who was, who is, and who will soon come again. And now as an exercise of your great power and sovereignty, you are now ready to reign on planet Earth. The nations were angry, for they anticipated that the wrath of God might soon descend from heaven. In fact, it was time for God to judge the devil's world. The time for reincarnating and rewarding his apostles, prophets, and Old Testament saints was drawing nigh. In contrast, the small and great were about to be called to task because they had followed the Antichrist. Then I looked up where I could clearly see God's temple. God's temple in heaven. Open up and within his great temple was the Ark of the Covenant. And from out of the temple came flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. The major earthquake was joined by a great hailstorm. Planet Earth was under attack because the Lord Jesus Christ as the King of Kings was soon to return. The age called the Tribulation would soon end with a battle to end all battles and the blood would run as deep as the horse's bridle. Notice bridle. For 200 miles. Okay, David, take over in chapter 12. Chapter 12 through 20 cover the same events described in chapters 6 through 11. There is a major difference. Though the events described are those which take place in the tribulation and the beginning of the millennium, the emphasis is on the characters involved rather than the events. But before I start on chapter 12, verse 1, Moses and Elijah are not exercising their power to stop the rain here in Maimon, Alabama today. <laughs> and uh, to our Texas listeners, I wish we could send some your way because... Rain is a daily event here. Uh, praying for rain for Texas. All right, Amen. Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Amen. 
I then saw an exciting and wondrous scene in heaven. It was obviously a sign. There I could see a woman representing Israel. She was clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. The 12 stars represented the 12 tribes who will ultimately rule. The woman is Israel. She is about to give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. Suddenly there appeared in heaven an enormous red dragon who was clearly Satan. He had seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. The picture depicts the mechanics of the rise to power of a satanically indwelt Antichrist who would be the leader of the revived Roman Empire headquartered in the city of Rome. Then there was a flashback to an earlier time in eternity past when Satan and a third of all the angels rebelled against God. In this rebellion, both Satan and those angels falling with him decided they could run things better than God. Then I saw the dragon standing in front of Mary, the mother of Jesus' humanity, who was about to give birth. Satan had indwelt the old fox Herod the Great, planning in his sick mind a plan to devour her child. The pronouncement came in the year of circa 6 B.C., when the order was slay, with the order to slay all male infants born in Judah who were two years of age and under was given. All of this was done in order to avert God's plan of redemption. Mary gave birth to the God-man and named him Jesus. This is the same God-man who at the second advent will rule all the nations of the world with an iron fist. Because of Israel's rejection of our Lord, however, the Christ was snatched up to God and was caused to sit at the right side of the Father in the place of honor in the third heaven. The woman, Israel, later in the Great Tribulation, will flee in the same manner as Mary and Joseph did when they fled to Egypt, into the waiting arms of various Gentile nations where she will be protected for 1,260 days, the Jewish equivalent of the last three and one-half years of the tribulation. I then saw a horrific war break out in heaven. Michael and all the elect angels fought a vicious all-out battle against the dragon and his demons. Satan and his forces battled relentlessly, but Michael and his great army were just too strong for the forces of evil. Satan and all his demon minions were driven back until they reached what looked like the far end of heaven. They were forced perilously close to heaven's precipice. The great dragon and his demons were hurled down to earth, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who had for years led the whole world astray. This was the great sign so long predicted when Satan with his gang of outlaws would be thrown out of heaven and onto planet earth. I then heard a mighty victorious shout which reverberated throughout the heavens. Our God has shown his power of deliverance for his kingdom has come. God's own chosen one, the Christ, has shown his authority and inherent power. Satan, who for ages has accused the brethren, has been thrown out of heaven and never more permitted to return. The poor saints of the tribulation, faced now with a defeated and desperate Satan, would experience his last intense, though hopeless, series of attacks.
The only means of survival for the believers remaining on planet Earth would be a total reliance on the grace of God as set forth in His Word. They will be especially facilitated by God, the Holy Spirit, to serve the Lord under the most trying of circumstances and pressure. All created beings, including angels and believers from ages gone by, rejoice, but then there came a voice of lamentation from the throne room. Pity the earth and the sea, because the devil has been thrown out of heaven, and he knows his time is short. When Satan realized he had been defeated and cast out of heaven without any future recourse, he pursued with a vengeance true Israel, for he was furious at her forth at her for giving birth to the Christ. Israel, however, was given an abundance of logical grace and a hedge of fire for protection. During the tribulation, Israel will be led to the various places of refuge prepared for her in various client nations and there to remain in safety out of Satan's reach. Satan, realizing his predicament, then set in motion a series of world events designed to eliminate all believers. Battles raged in Palestine as nations from all over the world began to ravage the once peaceful land of Israel. Places of refuge were discovered by the Jews in the Holy Land in the south of Palestine in Idumea. The many Gentile nations who refused to kowtow to the powerful Antichrist will be extolled by Christ when he returns to judge the sheep and the goats. Satan particularly interested in exterminating all those who were actively witnessing for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're now ready for the book of the Revelation chapter 13. So we've been through a situation which uh, has the Antichrist in trouble. So let's see what we can learn. This chapter 13 introduces two main characters, the Antichrist and the false prophet. The Antichrist is a Gentile and the false prophet is a Jew. Go figure. In other words, most people would wonder about that. What? This Antichrist is a Gentile and the false prophet is a Jew. Well, then again, look around at the cults so popular and the false doctrines drawing so many people to so many really bizarre denominations. All right, now we're going to dive into chapter 13, verse 1. The devil looked out on planet Earth's swirling masses of humanity. He viewed the confusion of the Gentile world as opportunity. Then I saw the Antichrist arise out from the confused skein of the nations. There was a ten-nation federation ruling Europe. And from one of the smallest of the ten, the Antichrist rose to power. He soon took over two other nations. And then finally, 
he became ruler over all ten. Now this is the ten nation federation that's going to move across the Mediterranean Sea during the campaigns of Armageddon. Uh, and the Antichrist is going to be ruling these people in Europe. So keep that in mind. Put that in your back pocket, if you will. Each of the ten nation, excuse me, national leaders served as blasphemous heads of state in open opposition to God. John was impressed with the appearance of the Antichrist. He remembered a leopard with feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. He saw a dragon. He seemed to be behind the scene leading. He gave the beast his power, a throne, and great authority. The animal symbols represented three of the four major Gentile empires of time past. So here up, the leopard. Leopard. You ever heard of a leopard, David? I haven't seen one. <laughs> <laughs> the leopard reminded of Alexander, the bear, the Medo-Persians, and the lion, Babylon. A fourth was an empire yet to come, one whose rise was imminent and not yet revealed. It would be a revived Roman Empire. You know, we had a Roman Empire. We all can agree to that. But we're going to have a revived Roman Empire. And that's what we've just had described for us. John was amazed at that, which had been revealed to him. He would be even more amazed at what would be revealed next. He saw next the Antichrist sustain a fatal wound, but was miraculously resuscitated. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast as their political and spiritual leader. Most of the world, though unaware, were worshiping Satan because the dragon indwelled the Antichrist and gave him his authority and power. The power included a strong military presence that might surprise a lot of people. Let me say that again. Most of the world, though unaware, were worshiping Satan because the dragon indwelled the Antichrist and gave him his authority and power. This leader was absolutely devoted and impressed. They ask, who is like the Antichrist? Who can make war against him? The Antichrist was also given great wisdom to blaspheme God. He ruled as a despot. Both the Antichrist and the false prophet took great pleasure in the slandering the name of God and also God's word. Jews were ridiculed and 
Christians were considered a lunatic fringe. The word of God was said to be an opiate for the downtrodden. The Antichrist in the last half of the tribulation was given power to make war against all Jews and Christians. All of this was done under the permissive will of God. God permitted the rise of the Antichrist in order to set him up for his grand humiliation. It had been prophesied in the 28th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. The nations of the world and all their unbelieving citizens were openly worshiping the Antichrist as God. That is to say, all those whose names had been removed from the book of life. All right, God permitted the rise of the Antichrist. Keep that in mind. The nations of the world and all their unbelieving citizens were openly worshiping the Antichrist as God. That is to say, all those who were unbelievers. So believers of all ages are urged to pay attention to that which is said to, in the apocalypse. Every word. If you live in the tribulation, you are going to be incarcerated for the cause of Christ. This will be your destiny. So do not miss the rapture. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now, right where you sit. If you are a believer in the tribulation, you might even be executed. This age will call for a call for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints of God. But at the end of the seven years, the saints of God will be vindicated. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. He was a Jew. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. The two horns were symbolic of his ambivalent nature. He was sweet as sugar, that is at first, but later as mean as a junkyard dog. He spoke like a dragon. He had horns like a lamb. And he had two horns, which were symbolic of his ambivalent nature. That's the sweetest sugar in the mean as a junkyard dog. He was given power and authority to speak and act on behalf of the Antichrist. The same world leader whose fatal wound had been healed was the false prophet. But we call him the second beast because John called him the second beast. He was given power and authority to speak and to act on behalf of the Antichrist. The second beast was the false prophet. He was a world religious leader 
who performed miracles, signs and wonders, even causing fire to streak across the heavens. And then on command, the fire would fall to earth in full view of men. He was considered by many unbelievers as the incarnation of Elijah. I refer you to Revelation 13.4. He was because of the many miracles he performed by his second beast, by this second beast, that he was able to deceive the inhabitants of the earth. He received his power from the indwelt Antichrist and made no bones about the source of that power. Consequently, he ordered the leaders of Israel to set up an image in honor of the Antichrist. Those living on planet Earth had earlier been impressed because of the recovery of the Antichrist from his terrible mortal head wound. In fact, uh, many people were fooled by that when some world leader would end up with a head wound. Uh, I remember when I was working with Campus Crusade for Christ, that was uh, the case. Many of those young stallions, if you will, kept talking about, well, Jack, Jackie Onassis is hooked up with uh, uh, and, uh, she wasn't Onassis then. Jackie Kennedy was hooked up with the Antichrist who ended up with a head wound. But you and I know that's not true. <laughs> the rapture's got to occur first. Remember that. The rapture must occur first. Okay, the false prophet was permitted to put the breath of life into the statue of the Antichrist. Here go, he spoke, and many were amazed. The image had been set up in the Erzatz, big word for false, Erzatz temple. This took place in the middle of the tribulation. Everyone who refused to worship the image of the first beast was put to death. All people were forced to receive a mark on their hand or on their forehead in honor to transact business. In order, excuse me, which would be an honor if you were hungry, <laughs> in order to transact business. In an underground economy, you had to have that mark. It did not matter how powerful or how wealthy you might be. Without the mark, you could not buy or sell. To transact business, you had to have the mark. The mark stood for the name of the first beast and for the number of his name. Here is wisdom. The wise man must understand and learn from the number assigned to the Antichrist. 666. The entire book of the Revelation is a portrait of a man under direct influence and control of Satan himself. The book has a theme, a perfect God, his number being 777, versus an inferior Satan, 
whose number is 666. Wow. That's a good place to stop. Uh, we Again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to being with you again next week. And hopefully Pastor Merrill will be a little more healed up. Uh, that's going to be a fairly long recovery. But the fact that he's able to be here with you and me today uh, is very encouraging. Before we go, if there's anyone out there within the sound of our voice, uh, there's without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as we like to say, because it's the truth, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Pastor Merritt, could you close us with a prayer? Father, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to come together and study your word. Guide us now and direct us. And as David has just said, if you've not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, now is the time. All you got to do is tell God the Father, I am believing on God the Son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So until next time, so long.